Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top, the body-positive, sex-positive show with your host, Auntie Vice. This show contains explicit language, not suitable for most minors or easily offended majors. It contains opinionated discussion about politics, race, sex, fat folks, gender, which may not be suitable for conservatives. Additionally, some shows may contain references to science, statistics, history, research, mathematics, and reality, which may not be suitable for American evangelicals. Here we go, here we go. Hello. How's everybody doing? We got a little bit of an intimate setting going on here. That means we're really going to get deep, yeah? Dig deep. Welcome to Fat Chicks on Top. Yeah. For those of you not familiar with the podcast, I started a while ago. My name's Auntie Vice, and it is a sex-positive, body-positive, all-bodies podcast. We talk about all sorts of stuff. My lovely co-host. Ciao. My lovely co-host tonight is Erica Ambrin. Hello. Hi. She is a singer, songwriter. She's actually up for a Sammy right now in Sacramento. So yeah. congratulations. Thank That's you. Huge. Thank you so much. Since you're here and, and we can get to know each other, she performed with our sound man producer extraordinaire, Sharon, a while back. Oh, yeah. And just just a month ago, actually, we uh, we opened up for the Nappy Roots. I don't know. Do you guys know who the Nappy Roots are? I don't know. Like, how, how old are you guys? <laughs> Like early 20. Oh, wow. That's really cute. Yeah. Make sure you don't have any alcohol. But the Nappy Roots are like a, a 90s hip hop like group band, like a part of the time when the Roots, the Fugees. Do you guys know who the Roots and the Fugees are? OK, yeah. So if, if I can name like big names, it's about the same time. But they were like a southern group. So they brought a whole different like vibe, like almost like a, a Nelly vibe, but like just a group of people with different vibes. Right. So I, I grew up on on this group and I got a chance to open up with them. And sh- the, the lovely Sharon was my DJ and we 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 killed it. Yeah, I think we did a good job. We sold out the show. So before the Nappy Roots got there, we were already there. So I'm very proud of that. And I'm just happy to be here. Like. It's excellent. Yeah. So as so I was getting to know your music and listening to the stuff that he was sharing with me and everything, and seeing you're up for singer-songwriter, when you're in my age group, which is parents for everybody in the audience, in growing up, the singer-songwriters that always got the big names were Chris Christopherson, Bob Dylan, Carol King. Your music, in a lot of ways, is very different in the sound and stuff, but you also bring in some of the storytelling that they do. Like, who did you grow up with your influences in songwriting and, and music? Uh, I think, you know, like, I think that's a, that's a part of it. If you're a true artist, it's to, to really be able to tell your story, like, in a real way. And obviously, like, I grew up on a lot of music, but, like, uh, the reason why I started writing music is because of Lauryn Hill, I think. Okay. Uh, and then, like, that led me into, like, Erica Badu and Jill Scott and and uh, just so many different, like, I'm just really into R&B and, like, just storytelling, but, like, love stories, because I think that this album actually, like, helped me to, like, step out of the love stories, because I didn't have a love story to still tell, so I had to, like, dig deeper in my creativity. But I think love stories is the reason why I started writing music, because love is, like, what it's all about, yeah? So if you didn't have a love story to tell, when you're writing about love, what were you drawing on? Where was the influence coming from when you say you don't have the story to tell? I mean, life, life experience, but I think just love as a whole. Like, that's, that's, that's why I write music, because I want to spread that into other people. Like, that's the way, like, the law of attraction, you know, that's the way to make the world go around in a way, like, that's why I do music, you know what I'm saying? 
So even though I didn't have like a, a specific story, like a romantic love story, it's mm -hmm. just still all about love. So I think it, I draw it from there. And you say you didn't have one. Are you alluding that you have one now? I always have one. I always think that's have? what I'm trying to say. Okay. I, I think that I, I, what I'm trying to say when I was younger and I started mm -hmm. writing music like 14 years old, it was like all about like writing about a love story specifically, like with another person. Mm -hmm. But I think I found love within other things. So Much more I universal. So yeah, so I can write different stories and like be more creative. I think that's what I'm trying to say. And as you're listing off the influences, Lauren Hill, Jill Scott, it brings up representation, right? Representation is a huge issue. You need to see yourself reflected to feel empowered. The biggest example they've done with this in... Um, in any study has been what's called the NCIS effect. So if you've watched NCIS or any of those dramas, like the forensic investigator is always this really cute woman. And before those came out, forensic studies was over 90% male. After those came out within a decade, it was almost 80% female. Like seeing yourself brings people in to do stuff. So as people are looking to your music, who are you hoping to bring in as the next generation coming up? People. Everybody. everybody yeah this this everything makes everything go around like even the cockroaches you know what i'm saying like it has something to do with the evolution of life and all of us so if i could reach somebody with my music and spread love which i think is like the most powerful beautiful thing mm -hmm. then that's what i'm doing that's so what's your favorite part about writing and, and coming up with it? Because um, people talk about the struggle of writing. For those of you here who've tried to write anything, for a lot of people, sometimes it just flows, sometimes it doesn't. For you, Have you heard it? my music? Yeah, but I don't know if it comes from, did it just flow out? Or it's hard to tell. For me, it's hard to tell because some stuff that will seem very improvised, I'll find out that people have worked on it for months, years trying to get it. And other people, they'll crack off with something and you know it's improvised. I think if you're an artist, that's a part of the experience. I think that it can happen in, in any which way. It just depends on who's going to hear it or not. Like, if you put it out, some people might hear it, some people might not, and you might never sing that song to anyone but yourself and God, mm -hmm. and you're good. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you might share that. You might put it on YouTube and only... 30 people right. hear it, right? You might put it on iTunes and 100 people are going to hear it, but it, that, that's art. Like, if mm -hmm. you're really, like, an artist, I feel like you're just doing it for you. And then if that spreads out and makes a difference, then it does. And I think you've nailed it there. Because when I started writing and freelance and left the academic world, I just put it out and I figured, who's going to read this? You know, it was just... but. That need to create, that need to put out was there. And it eventually found an audience. And when people go, oh, yeah, I read it. I'm like, really? I was just stunned that anybody would read it, like, let alone recognize it. But there is that. I, so for those of you who aren't familiar, I do a kink blog and BDSM. So I write a lot about my sex life. I write a lot about our fine sound man. And so I just started writing about this world that I was in and, you know, whips and chains and all that weird stuff. That wasn't weird to me. It's what I grew up with. But it wasn't real graphic or anything until I started writing erotica and I started writing sex toy reviews. But that came much further down the line. When you, well, and that's what you get paid for. I now get people who send me free sex toys and pay me to write about them. So, you know, it's not the worst gig you can get. It makes it hard to find somebody who wants to date and have you write about that. But, you know, that's a whole nother thing. But I, I think the need to just put that information out there is what I find with a lot of artists. It's, it's not necessarily the reception. But when you are positively received, it can be 
thrilling, right? That shit's dope, yeah. So what's the best compliment you've gotten after a gig? No, I don't know if that's a good question. No? No. <laughs> I think that's a terrible question, actually. I think... <laughs> um, yeah, no, I... I, I don't do any of this for compliments or anything like that. I just do not it. that you're doing it for it, but somebody no, comes but up. I don't, I don't even think I pay attention to that. I think I just really be in tune with the people that are in the space and just mm -hmm. try to connect to that because that's all you can do. And then you can hope that those people go out and they spread connect. that same kind of energy that you put it out there. It's all about energy. It's God. It's God that's within within you, within me. Like that is God. The trees, all these things, like all these people. The fact that you showed up today, like that is what music is for me. It has nothing to do with a compliment or you know, it's either how I feel or how I don't feel. I could be freestyling or mm -hmm. I could be something that I wrote and I have to tap into that or maybe I don't tap into that and I kind of blow it but it's just I don't know it's for me honestly I can't speak for anyone else but for right. me it is simply just who I am it's me so that's what I'm putting out there either you receive it or you don't and is that what you're looking for when you're listening to other music or how do you find the people who you like to listen to I just listen to them I feel it it's, but that's good. that connection. It feels good or it feels terrible. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's good because you need to feel the, the terrible, you know what I'm saying? In order to like get to that next space. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, where you're present with the feelings and you and where you just, it's okay to feel terrible. Sometimes you feel terrible and sometimes you want to connect with that. I mean, that's why we yeah. have breakup songs. Well, there's plenty of those. Yeah. I've written so many. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, I've written, I've been to too many open mic poetry nights, which is just, talk about tapping into terrible feelings. If you've been to open mic poetry, it's more like journaling and confessing on stage. Can I sing, <laughs> we get stabbed from the audience. Can I sing something to y'all real quick? Please. All right, let me tell you something. It's about a good feeling, not a ter terrible feeling, really. Cool. Y'all ready? When I look into your eyes, such a beautiful surprise And our love is on the rise Tell me truth and no lies So give me some of that sugar be the sweetness in my coffee at the start of my day. And I really dig your vice, but who would dance? And the music in our hearts continues to play. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I wrote that song. It's called Sugar. That's the first EP that I ever wrote that I actually put out there into the universe, like to everyone. And I was able to do that. But that's like one of the songs that I wrote. And that was actually a freestyle. And then I like kind of tweaked it a little bit, right? I'm that's playing impressive. my guitar. I play my guitar yeah. on it, yeah. But that's like the first project that I ever put out. So it's called Sugar. It's on it's on all the streaming platforms. You guys can check it out. Yeah. So we're about to bring up our first guest, but if people want to find bring you, want to yeah, find you want your to. music, want to vibe in, that's it. I'm stoned, dude. I'm sorry. What am I? What the fuck am I? That's why. Hey, yo, what am I supposed to do, bro? <laughs> why do you think I got cookies? And I'm fucking eating sugar. <laughs> sugar. 
<laughs> I brought my cookie. You, you don't have to eat a stage okay. cookie. Um, we, we, we have more. It's really good. No, please have more. We got more in the back for people, really good. too. But if people want to find you, if they want to go to a show, if they want to buy your music, this is your chance to plug yourself. All right, plug it, plug it. All right. It's all on the, all the streaming platforms. My latest project is called Lucid Dreamer. It's my first hip-hop project. That's me and Sharon when we opened up for the Nappy Roots. We uh, did that project, and Sharon was actually my DJ. He, like, really gave me a lot of confidence. Like, he knew my songs and stuff. Like, he was like, put your motherfucking hands up. Come on. Come on, Sharon, remember? We were killing him. No, he didn't say the curse words. He really doesn't curse, but. Yeah, he does no, the same but... thing during sex, so. <laughs> no, but we had a good time. So it's called Lucid Dreamers on iTunes and all that stuff. Recorded that in Hawaii, and, like, I'm just back here in Sacramento. I got nominated for a Sammy. The... Sammy, sorry, Sammy. Uh, the singer-songwriters portion of it, I guess. Yeah. I'm really good at plugging myself. I'm just <laughs> learning how to do this, so this is a good chance to do it. I'm really trying. I got really stoned before this, so I hope that's okay. <laughs> it's legal, so... <laughs> Police, don't give me... Yeah, but... Yeah, find me. Erica Amber, yeah. Okay. And if I'm you dead. haven't voted in the Sammys yet, you can go to SNR.com, vote for her, you know, singer-songwriter. I saw my, play, my, my face in the, in the newspaper thing today. I saw it's it today. Awesome. I was like, no, yeah, I didn't even know. My friend sent it to me. He's like, look, bitch, it is you. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you Bro, know it's a friend. No, so they didn't tell me they were going to put me in the paper, but yeah, that's cool. Please vote for me if you can. I, 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 if I don't win, I don't care. I've been doing music in Sacramento for a hell of long, so it's just an honor to be able to like uh, know that people are watching what I'm doing. So, <laughs> Okay, I'm Thank done. Thank you. Okay. So our first guest tonight, I've worked with her before. She's running the Invisible Disabilities Comedy Show, which she blows bubbles, and she has an amazing wardrobe. I've also seen lots of pictures of her at Burlesque, so there's lots to talk about. So please welcome to the stage, Ms. Ali Yeda. Yeah, let's go, Ali. And you have a mic, and we have cookies. All right. I think I'm going to go this route and hold it. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's easier. Yeah. All right. Yes. For those of you who don't know, I'm big on having people of all sizes eat on stage to destigmatize, especially bigger people eating on. Because if you're bigger, eating in public can be terrifying because people have a look at you. I know. Dude, I know. Are these lemon? Yeah. Lemon sugar cookies. Yeah, it's, and it's like light, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's good. <laughs> you want to be on this show again. Sound man extraordinaire. I have a box of cookies in the back if you want to share with the audience. Yeah, yeah you're, you're welcome to pass them around. You, I brought extra. Give them some lemon sugar cookies, yours. please. Yes, please. Yeah, just pass. There's a box in the back. Just pass them around. These are not medicated cookies. I know it's because you got high. I'm not going to get you unintentionally high. You can go do that <laughs> after the show. Um, and most of my guests are high, so it works. <laughs> so thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to see you again. You as well. And I, I wanted to start with the Invisible Disabilities comedy mm-hmm. thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about how that came about? Because it's a very different type of comedy show. Yeah, well, I've lived with multiple invisible disabilities for um, you know, over a decade probably. And trying to explain to someone that you're disabled when you don't look disabled is a frustrating 
having to advocate for yourself, you have to be aggressive. And most often, like the world makes us feel like we're not worthy of, you know, certain things or accommodations or understanding. And so um, it's just something that I've always struggled. And I finally got like a stronger voice with. And so I started doing sets about some of my struggles in comedy. And sometimes they would do well and sometimes they wouldn't. Like, and I know this shit's funny, but people get sad for me when I talk about this. Like uh, I'll be in I'll be in the you know in the midst of a whole lineup of comedians doing like dick jokes and poop jokes and stuff and then I talk about like you know meth addiction or um, my bladder disease or growing up Mormon or anxiety and everyone just gets sad. It brings down the room and I'm like, well if the mood was like if they were expecting it. I, I always felt like I didn't have my fair audience. And so we decided to do this show. My, my uh, partner, Drew Kimsey, uh, also has uh, a few invisible disabilities. And we decided to produce a show so where everyone is there for a reason. Everyone is there expecting to hear this stuff. And the whole lineup is about everybody struggles. And we have uh, posters where we list the disability that we'll be talking about. And so that helps people who are thinking about coming to the show when they see that their disability is on someone's flyer, like they want to come. So it helps, it, it like pairs us with our right audience, you know? And it also feels like a social service. It's, it's, we get so much feedback from people saying that like they thought they were the only ones like internally suffering and all of a sudden they see these people talk about their thing on stage and all of a sudden it's just kind of a release, you know? Um, so we're very touched uh, how much it uh, moves people, but also it's just a really fun and funny night and it just gives us the opportunity and the platform for us to succeed rather than like feeling like we just brought down the room, you know? Yeah. Like, we, we bring up the room. Yeah. yeah. Do, do, do you feel like... Because you can connect with uh, people that have like invisible disabilities that because comedy is so real that it makes it more the connection makes it more fun. Yeah, it does. Because like, you know, for the most part, people don't like hearing sad stories. So it gives us the challenge to like make you laugh at it. Not at us, but with us, you know? And so it kind of lightens, it, it, it makes um, our struggles a little more lighthearted, you know? Because when we're, like, internally silent and suffering alone, all of a sudden you say it out loud, you make someone laugh, you're like, oh, okay, I'm not crazy, or, you know? Uh, yeah, and so the, the laughing is a nice buffer, and it's a nice way to kind of express some personal shit. So I have some serious questions, but uh -huh. I noticed you lumped being Mormon in with a, an invisible disability. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have my personal feelings about more. I grew up in Southeast Idaho. Oh, um, okay. In a, in a Southern Baptist family <laughs> at that, yes, yes. Personal experiences with Mormons, but I may be jaded. Why do you lump that in as being a disability? Because it's a form of brainwashing. And I really, I really felt like it impaired my logic. And um, yeah, thank you for clapping, the two of you. <laughs> it it stunted me as a person. And in, in my, I have a set where I compare Mormonism to meth addiction and the similarities. <laughs> Can you, do that? I, can you please do that bit right now? <laughs> Stand up and do that bit, please. Come, come on, on, come on. Do the bit real quick. Come All on, right. come on. Well, I'd like to make an announcement. I have some something kind of that I accomplished that I want to share with you guys. I just celebrated 10 years clean. Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, from Mormonism. <laughs> oh, and also crystal meth. <laughs> I quit both at the same time. <laughs> and 10 years later, I still feel dirty. Um, it turns out meth and Mormonism have a lot in common. First of all, with both meth users and Mormons think their happiness is real. <laughs> also, both demand an unfair percentage of your income. <laughs> and gosh, it's been a while since I've done this set. I can't remember the third one. But you guys get the drift. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good bit. I love <laughs> Thank it. you. That's awesome. So as you're putting this together, and I'm, I'm thinking this through as a producer, how do you find people who want to talk about various disabilities? I mean, it's, a, it's an odd call for a show. It's like, how many people with borderline personality disorder do we need this week? You know, <laughs> uh, like, how do you go about finding people and, and, and putting the shows together? Well, at first, uh, since when, when we were a new show and I had to, I had to, you know, gather my lineup, it was very awkward approaching someone being like, hey, I think you, I, I, you seem like you got something going on. <laughs> so people with anxiety can detect. We have, we have anxiety dar, right? So it was sometimes a guess. Obviously, I wouldn't approach them like that. But um, I, you know, I, I would say, hey, we have this show where people talk about their invisible disabilities. I don't know. And then I would list examples of ones that people are that, you know, we just come up with a list of examples and, and people be like, oh, I didn't know anxiety counted. That's our most common response. Oh, well, I have anxiety, but that's not. I'm like, that's, that's so it. <laughs> it's serious. Yeah. And so it's like. Everyone at least has anxiety who's on our show. Like, that's one of the notches on their belt. Everyone has at least. That's the prerequisite for being on the show. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I would, I would message people just kind of almost like cold calling, you know. Um, we do a lot of outreach to women. Uh, we just like having women on our show. Usually they're a little bit more, yeah, thank you. They're, uh, they're a little bit more willing to admit some of their struggles. And, and so, yeah, also we welcome men, I guess. <laughs> it's fine if you guys want to be on it. But no, um, we do a lot of outreach, just cold calling. But then um, once we started getting a, a traction with our show, uh, people would start hearing about us and message us to be on it. So Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So in talking about it and coming out publicly with mm -hmm. the, and talking about disabilities, how has that changed your relationship with your own body and, and the disabilities? Wow. Could you rephrase that question again? Sorry, I, I had a little, had a little trouble <laughs> understanding the question. It's a little bit of a glitch in the system. It's I all clearly good. didn't We're going to bring it all back. <laughs> and I'm not hot. <laughs> Rewind. Let's go. So as you've talked about the different disabilities and been open about mm -hmm. it with, with large groups and people you don't necessarily know, has that changed how you've thought about your own disabilities or how you think about your own body? It, it's validating, actually. Like I, I give myself permission to like cancel on something because of anxiety without feeling like I just severed a friendship or something, you know, like, uh, that's a huge part of anxiety is like, you have to cancel a lot 
and you don't feel like you're worthy of that person's attention ever again. And and so now that I'm, you know, very public about it and talking about it, and it's it's almost like people get it now. Like I cancel, and they're like, oh yeah, that's fine. Like that's awesome. Yeah. So it, awesome. it but it's also me giving myself like a little more uh, compassion, and especially with with Drew, my partner and co-producer. He and I both have found this show therapeutic. We started it to be kind of therapy for us, and it just so happens that what you were saying earlier, you do it for yourself, and if it happens to catch on, it catches on. And it just so, yeah, so like we... We we do it for ourselves, and it That's turns out. out, yeah, it turns out to be like a social service we're performing, kind of by accident. Yeah. How do you keep it lighter, though, and, and keep it people from? It's easy enough when you have a disability. I, I live with several to make jokes about yourself and just be self-deprecating, right? Rather than actually addressing anything. Do you give any instructions to people coming on your show in how they talk about it, how they think about putting a set together, or is it just open? Well, we have we have something kind of put together, like a little mission statement that we announced before our shows. And um, first thing is you can't punch down other people's disabilities. Like, that's, that's not allowed, and we're not here to roast anybody. Um, you can punch down yourself if you'd like, but for the most part, that's not the the route people go. It's more of a, a playful poke at yourself, you know? And we never see people get cruel on stage. And so, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. So you've done a whole other line of things. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if the audience is aware. You do bubbles. I do bubbles, yes. <laughs> do bubble art. Wait, How? what kind of bubbles? <laughs> <laughs> big ones. <laughs> All big sorts bubbles. of like big bubbles. I do educational scientific bubble shows for kids at schools, assemblies, kindergartens, birthday parties. That's dope. Um, yeah, I have a I have a stage present. Thank you. I have a stage um, persona. Her name is Miss Pop. And she has <laughs> blue and pink curly hair, long spirally ponytail. And I have I have a blue pantsuit that I wear and pink uh, hot pink Converse. That's my just to put put the image out there. And yeah, I I travel all over Northern California to go perform these shows. People, it's a it's a secret underground. Like there's a whole. This is in demand. Did you guys know? We didn't know there was a bubble demand. There is. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Nobody, like in high school, they don't say, you're going to grow up to be a bubble artist. <laughs> like for some people, that would have been great career advice is go learn to blow big bubbles. Like, <laughs> And I tell kids that when they, when they, some awesome. of the kids like really, it, it really connect with it. And, and when they show interest and they, some, sometimes they repeat the science back to me, I'm like, you would make a good bubbleologist one day. Oh. So That's my title. I'm a bubbleologist. Yeah. <laughs> you do need to clap for bubbleologist. So, Miss Bubbleologist, we're at the point in the show where we ask some standard questions on because right. I got high. And depending on how high our guest is, the, the answers can vary. The mic says 420. Did yours too? Uh, 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 oh my God. Uh, the mics are 420. Ask 420. That's. You don't have a 420? No, you're I'm not high right now. You're not high. Because I'm not high. Because I'm not high. Just give me that cookie, baby. <laughs> so the first question is, what is your go-to junk food? I have these, um, okay, you know how Cheez-Its makes all of the different kinds of Cheez-Its and they're usually bullshit? Like the white cheddar is like flavorless and the big ones are dumb and like it's just not, <laughs> none is as good as the original. I found a loophole to that rule. The Cheez-It Grooves. 
wow. The zesty, wow. the zesty cheddar ranch. <laughs> that wait, what's the grooves though? What's the groove? What makes it a groove? There, there's grooves on the um, cheese. Oh, so it's like a little wave in the cheese. Uh-huh. It, it's like the wavy ruffles, but it's a cheese. It. That's hot. <laughs> I'm like, no, it makes me groove. <laughs> Start dancing. <laughs> so you just go with those, or do you put anything on them? Oh, those do not need any changes. <laughs> Don't fuck with the zesty cheddar ranch groove. <laughs> Don't. It is all Don't good. Don't fuck with it. <laughs> The worst piece of advice someone ever gave you. Okay, does this um, cover my whole life? At any point, what would you say is definitively, like, that was shitty advice. Okay, so um, right after high school, I got really, really drunk at this party. And I was trying not to vomit. But I was really drunk, and it was just going to happen. Somebody gave me lip gloss and told me to eat it and that it would make me not puke (laughs) it induced vomiting by the way yeah it was that that's when you ask that that's the first thing that (laughs) popped in my mind Um, terrible advice also when i was eight my parents told me to get baptized in the mormon church that would be also bad advice (laughs) What is one thing everyone should try at least once in their life? Hmm. You got to try making pizza from scratch. Dope. Yeah. It will change your life. You will make friends <laughs> because making pizza, you're going to end up with too much food and then you have to give it away. And that's how you make friends. <laughs> that's awesome. I like to and, feed people. And you do post pictures. I've seen you I do. I like what are your go-to pizza toppings? Um, well, I'd like to do a stuffed crust. Um, with the audience our, is getting way more excited than I've heard <laughs> at burlesque shows right now. So hungry. With um, pepper jack cheese in the crust and cream cheese, a blend oh. in the crust. And then on... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. I mean, they're, the possibilities are endless. One time I made... A, uh, so for the sauce, I made an, uh, a mandarin creamy pesto. And I think I fed it to you once. Did I feed that one to you, Amber? I had, uh, I think it was Yo, yeah, 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 that's what it was. Artichoke, <laughs> but it also had mandarin and then um, walnuts. And then that was the, the sauce. And then on top, it was um, a blend of mozzarella and pepper jack. And did I put figs on it? Goat cheese, always on the top. Goat cheese. <laughs> You're like the pizza maker. I You're am. the pizza whisperer. I, I get crazy. <laughs> I and it. for folks who are not here, like the audience, I, I do burlesque. I have been fully naked in public. The look on your face is more turned on than some of the events where you have naked women rocking around. So, you know, the pizza thing is definitely... The way to a person's heart is through food. No. And when you make them food, it's from your heart. It is. True and, that. Yeah. And the last question is, what are you grateful for? My partner, Drew. I, you guys probably Shout know I was going to say Drew. that, but he's my partner in life. He's my co-producer. He's um, my best friend, my 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 lover. <laughs> he's just he's my he's my everything. And we've we've been only we've only been together for like two years. And I already just can't imagine life without him. Like, oh my Aww. gosh. Oh my gosh! If he if anything happened to him, I would die. He's and he makes me be a better me. Like we we make each other better as individuals. So yeah, that's awesome. Shout out to you. So if people want to find what? Oh, 
I don't have my glasses on. Drew couldn't make it. Okay. So if people want to find you, if they want to find Miss Pop, if they want to find Invisible Disabilities, here's your chance to plug everything. All right. So on Facebook, we have the Invisible Disabilities Comedy Show Facebook page. That will give you all the updates we're doing. Um, Not only do we have our comedy show on Friday at Luna's at 8 p.m., we also have a podcast that we're going to be starting monthly because we have a lot of our, a lot of our fans have anxiety and a lot of times they can't make it to our shows. So we're trying to give them the comedy. We're going to do a uh, podcast here the first Saturday of every month here at Stab. Woo! So pay attention for that. And if you would like to bu- book a bubble show, just find me on Facebook. <laughs> Ali Yada, A-L-I-A-D-A, and then yada yada, for my last name. Just send me a private message. We'll get you. We'll get you bubbled. <laughs> we'll get you bubbling. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Hi. You need music, a sound guy, or a podcast done? Well, why don't you call a Serious Productions? Hi. My name is Sharon founder of Sirius Production, a mobile DJ company and audio production for podcasts and music. Our DJ service handles birthdays, graduations, weekend weddings, weekday weddings, speaking events, etc. Our ASP staff has 15 years in DJ, audio, music, and podcasts. Our ASP staff will help you to create a combination of services which meets your unique needs. We can provide custom price bids for your jobs. We offer discounts for multiple services, repeated customers, and special sales. Please ask the staff about repeated business and discounts. Our podcast special we have now is recording, editing, mixing, and uploading up to 100 minutes of recording for $500. For more information, please call 707-867-1411. That's 707-867-1411. Or come to our website, aseriousproduction.com. That's aseriousproduction.com. Can't wait to hear from you. Thank you. So, coming on up now, we have Miss Amber Whitford. Amber is an awesome comic. She's actually got a ton of stuff going on. You now do Talk Worried to Me here at STAB podcast. Yes, the um, first Saturdays monthly. Sweet. You are also the regular host of the Invisible Disabilities comedy show. I am. And you're working with Show Me Your ID. Yes, definitely. That is a monthly mixed open mic where we're at Luna <laughs> <laughs> every second Wednesday. 8 p.m. Mixed up in mic. We have had people come in and like sing songs, lots of poetry. Sweet. <laughs> Sweet. Well, welcome on the show. Let's start with Talk Worry to Me. This yeah. is new. This is a new venture for you. It is. It definitely is. It's the first podcast that I've had anything to do with, like working. It feels like a lot of responsibility. 
And what is the show about? Are you just talking about what people are worrying about? Is it post-apocalyptic? Is it anxiety-based? What What is Talk Worry? So that actually is a tag from one of Allie. Allie Yeda is our... She's producer. Produ- yes, I'm sorry. She's not only our <laughs> producer, though. She's our co-producer and co-founder of... Right? Okay, so that's what I was having some trouble getting at. <laughs> of the open mic and the comedy show and also, of course, the... Uh, uh, podcast. So this is a spin-off of the Invisible Disabilities comedy? Yes. So far we've only ha- recorded one episode and we talked about, you know, kind of how we each got started in stand-up comedy, what was going on coming up next and we had a guest on which was really fun. That was exciting. I felt like David Letterman. I was like, <laughs> It was, it was cool. So uh, that's what we're doing. We're still talking about the things that are happening in your life that other people can't see, like things that you're experiencing that are affecting you that other people have no idea about. And we are letting people know that it, here's a safe space to come talk about this, come laugh about it, and know that no matter what it is you're sharing, other people are going to finally realize like, oh, wait, I do that too, or I experience that too. So for you, what brought you into doing this show? What are the the invisible disabilities that you're talking about for you? So uh, funny enough, when I first started doing stand-up, most of my jokes were about therapy, being in therapy, getting into fights at therapy, just like general crazy drama amber stuff. And I wasn't really finding the right audience for that. Like I'd go to clubs and people would be there drinking and hanging out. And they're like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. Therapy is not something that I do. I don't care about it. Move on with your life, ma'am. <laughs> Somebody who asked me once, they were like, how did she get up there? Why is she talking about her cats? And it's like, okay, we got it. <laughs> so it took me a little while. Like I was, I, it was really like, at first I was, I felt a little discouraged. And then I jumped right into kind of like doing more blue comedy, like dirty stuff. Cause I do have a lot of really dirty stories. And so I just figured, okay, then that's what we're going to do. So it was when I met Allie and Drew, and went to their invisible disabilities, I was like, oh, finally a place where I can talk about having anxiety, having depression, all kinds of other things, and people are not going to be surprised, and they're not going to be like, oh, this lady's really bumming me out. So there, there's lots, as my sister would say, there's lots to break down there. I'm still stuck on, you get in fights with your therapist? No, actually, so... I'm like, fights at therapy, now I want to know more, like... So I'm in a lot of group therapy situations, and I don't know if you guys know about this, but we get a group of people together who need therapy. Some stuff goes down. (laughs) It could go down. And actually, the... One of the, the <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tell it. So, I walk into to this uh, group therapy thing that's going on, and I see this lady who looks really familiar, and I'm just like, where do I know her from? And she says to me, Yeah, we met at the movies. You called me an asshole, and I was like, Oh yeah, I knew I knew you. <laughs> you are that asshole. 
So, you know, like, and we're like on the therapy circuit together. So we kind of like get around in each other's groups and we're totally fine with it now. People know that I might like, just like let them know. She was totally being an asshole though. <laughs> she knew. Okay, so these are the rules for the movie theater. Once the lights come down, no more miscellaneous chatter. If you're talking about the movie, you're fine. But I don't want to hear anything about your soda. I don't want to hear anything <laughs> about your stupid kids. Nothing about your babysitter. Get on track. We're all here for the same thing, and it's to watch the movie. I don't hear anything else. I know people were looking at me laughing when was, I was going to say, wait a minute, hold up. Because I had, I had this discussion with a guy about, hmm, you know, it's always funny about the black people in the back always having this, this little raw moment of, ooh, ooh, don't go in there, girl. Mm, ooh, don't do that. Mm, yeah, I do that? that. I do that, too. Well, I, I, I mean, do that with the news. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, so I'm going to tell you, for me, like, I don't know why you would go and just like sit there in silence. We we ha I I don't know how they do it. You you have to like you have to be cautious. You're not gonna have a full conversation during important dialogue. But like cheering the movie on, it's like it's like going to a play or to live music. I know it's not live, but like I'm cheering this the fuck on, and we're having fun in here. I think it's because people go to like ballets and stuff, and they have to be quiet. Yes, it's I get like that. They get that weird feeling of just taking the same moment to go to a movie and be quiet. Okay. Which I look at that going, why? Because they're boring. I'm going to tell you something. Listen, it not only happens at the theater and in ballet. Okay, okay, be quiet at ballet. Fine, whatever. But I'm going to clap when it's time to clap. There you go. I might even clap when it's not time to clap, but I feel like it's time for me to clap. There you go. But I went to a James Taylor concert, and everybody in the, in the whole... Arena was silent except for my sister. Are you serious? <laughs> she was singing all the words, and all these these old people were just like. And they kept turning around. I was just like, the, "Why are you guys so quiet?" They gave him a look. I went to Betty Lavette, who is phenomenal R and B singer out yeah. at UC Davis at the Mondavi Center, and all everybody's like. Oh, we're so respectful and quiet. And it's it's weird to sit through an R&B concert and nobody's responding. It's no. like, what's wrong with you guys? That's So for me, like, I am new to being a performer. Okay. I guess officially a performer. You are a performer. So I like to get feedback, like immediate feedback. If, so, if I tell a joke that people don't like and they groan, I'm just like, okay, I know. Thank you for being here with me. <laughs> just like those ladies who were like, how did she get up there? Like, I knew that this wasn't working for them, and I was fine with it. Because it wasn't like they attacked me personally. They weren't like, we hate you. This is terrible. It was just like, I, I don't get this. And it moved me to a different type of, like, joke to relate to them with and it was a lot of fun and that's what I like that so that's the kind of performer I am it's like I like that feedback I want that feedback I don't even like I tell my husband sometimes not only because sometimes I forget my material <laughs> but like if you're out in the audience like shout something out like if you want to hear a joke from me like say it what, that you want to hear that because 
There's like so much to share. There's and there's not a lot of time always. So if somebody came because they want to hear the shower story or they want to hear the stapler story or whatever it is, like shout that out. Let me know. I'm here. In doing the shows that have focused more on disability and mental health, how has that changed your relationship with your own psyche? I would say that even before I was uh, spending a lot of time with invisible disabilities, just doing stand-up had changed me so much. Like I felt free and comfortable and I tell people all the time, it's like, I, I don't look at it as like, I'm going to go do a performance. You guys come watch me. I look at it as you guys, we're going to have a bunch of fun together. I'm going to tell some funny stories. Other people are going to be there and we're going to have a blast. So that is how stand up has like, it's just put me at this new comfort level in my life. It's like every night or not every night, but it's, we're having a party and we're having fun and we're being free and we are sharing the things that make us laugh with other people. And so that's like, I have, I feel like a completely different person now than I did before I actually started doing stand up. And how do you manage anxiety? Because a lot of people have stage fright in the first place or anxiety about getting on stage. So when you couple that with actually, you know, clinical anxiety, how do you manage to get up in front of an audience and talk about all the stuff? I'm going to say that just like you do it your entire life, it's like you just kind of go, okay, we're doing it. We're going out there and we're doing it. Once you promise someone you're going to do something, you can't go back on it. So that's kind of like what it is. It's like I, like for days, weeks leading up to it, I'm gritting my teeth and I want to throw up. And like these jokes that I'm going to tell are just actual things that happened in my own life. So there's no reason for me to forget about it, think like have to think about it, worry about it. But I, for days, I'm just like clenched and my jaw's tight and I want to barf every five minutes. And then I get there and it's like, we're doing it. What else are we going to do? And so that's how I get through it. And it's and I think that um, maybe a lot of my anxiety is like it's it is performance related, not in on the stage stand setting, but like in my office, like in life. A lot of my anxiety is about showing up and having to be responsible for things that are happening in the world. And that's just not really who I am. So. <laughs> You don't want to be responsible? I don't want to be responsible for anything. That's why I have cats and not kids. Wow. Seriously. You still have to feed a cat? You got to make money to pay for the cat? Listen, I'm going to tell you about these cats. (laughs) I mean, they'll eat whatever. Are they indoor or outdoor cats? They're indoor cats. So, I mean, they won't actually. They will eat whatever. One of my cats is, like, obsessed with green olives. So, I don't know what's going on with that guy. But, um, like, it's easy, though. Like, I could leave the cats overnight and be like, I know that they haven't eaten, but they're going to be fine. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They'll find a mouse. You leave They'll your do something. Cat. You leave your cats with nothing. Let them fend for themselves. Okay, so I want to clarify <laughs> that we do free feeding with our cats. Okay. So there's always something for them to eat. If it's not the crumbs that are like around, 
the bowl, there's like a full bowl of food and everyone's going to be fine. I, I can't. If they really, if they're really, really hungry, they'll eat one another. Uh, see? And I'm okay with that because they're not people, they're cats. I was like, we, we need questions. <laughs> so, because even she makes a joke, or Vice makes a joke about if, if she dies, the cat's gonna look at her and go, well, there's fancy face. I mean, there's just, just, just one of those moments where you I, I just know like, I'm getting eaten by my cat. It's just, like, I know those, that's my end. That, yeah. like, it's a circle of life. So, I have, Why not? Okay, I live what with a cat. What do you do? And his butt, it, he'll, he nibbles on me. It's because he loves you. No, he licks, he does two licks and then he takes a nibble. I'm like, is he trying to test, taste me just to get a figure? Well, you know, when he goes to bed, I might get him. Yes. That's not He's right. He's making a plan. He's going to eat little plans. bites and chunks out of you and it's going to be great. What else are you going to do with your dead body once it's dead? Well, Feed it to the cats. <laughs> I don't need Morris and them going, hey man. <laughs> Kibbles and bits and bits. No. And I'm going to tell you something. This is kind of off track, but speaking of cir- a circle of life. <laughs> circle of life. I have decided that when my cats pass away, each one is going to be like used for a different purpose in life. Scrambles, he's like a nice, like deep gray, black skin. So I'm really ready for some gloves. Scramble skin gloves, like a nice, <laughs> natural, like pearly, deep gray. I already, listen, I had purple leather gloves. <laughs> and I never knew the cat or calf or whoever who made those gloves for me. Gloves from the heart, I mean, from the belly or whatever, <laughs> from the person that you loved. And I know that cats are supposedly not people, but my cats are people. You just, you just told me your people is gonna be now come your wardrobe. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, why would I go out and have more gloves? I mean, see the, this is custom underwear. So it's not. You're not just like. There's not just piles of underwear sitting somewhere that you're just gonna grab some and go with. This is underwear that you know that it was made with love. Made for, came from the heart. You're gonna make. And the same thing with the gloves. It's like I'm. I don't want to wear some stranger cat gloves or whatever animal they're making the gloves out of. You're gonna make scramble in some panties. <laughs> I think that Ichi would be better for panties. He's very soft. <laughs> but actually, I'm not going to do that because Ichi has plans for um, like a stole because he's so beautiful. So, so wait a minute. Scrambles is going to be some gloves. Gloves. Ichi's going to be some some underwears, <laughs> bras. He's going to be a stole. We're going to keep his pretty face intact. Oh. I mean, <laughs> he's so gorgeous. He Can't deserves that. Can't you just stuff him and just put him on the side of a mantle and just look at him? The guy is useless. I know. Like, I know. I like to have everything that I... It needs to have, like, dual purpose. I have some cat yeah. figurines at my desk in my office, but also they're salt and pepper shakers. Touche. You gotta. You can't just have things that are junk. You have to be able to use it somehow. So just have the cat and have it all like just sitting in a corner. That would be so sad for that guy. True. So you're Marie Kondoing your dead cats already. Exactly. I mean, I, 
I mean, I got I got a cat named Everett. He got blue. He has some wonderful blue eyes. But I'm not trying to make some rings out of his uh, rings out of his oh eyes. Oh my gosh, that'd be so pretty. But that's, that's okay. <laughs> so that's the problem. The eyes are the only thing that ha- you have the problem with is because they're not able to like really capture the eyes with the stuffed, restuffed. Right. That's, yeah. No, that's I'm just. Dirty. I mean. I mean, it's great. It's a good idea, but he just sheds like a mother, and I'm just like. Exactly. I, I don't know. And you're Turn him me, inside out. I was thinking about some other thing you saying. <laughs> wow, really? Gloves. <laughs> okay. I don't even know how we got way off topic. And I no, apologize. no, we on topic. We're definitely. This on is topic. going to definitely continue to be our conversation wow. at home, long into the night. <laughs> Gonna make them panties out of itchy. Wow. <laughs> and scrambles is gonna be some gloves. Oh my gosh, that was so beautiful. Oh, so gloves. Can you imagine, like, you rub your face and you're like, okay. What else are we gonna do with them? What? What else are we gonna do with them? After I, I, you know what? You're right. I, I, I'm getting tired of pet cemeteries. Might as well use them for something. Exactly. <laughs> It's Again. very they uh, it's recycle, reduce, reuse. Oh, getting you daddy on us now. So now we're into the the question time. So let let's start with what is your favorite munchie? Your go to munchie? I don't husband. What is my favorite munchie? Yeah. 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 Definitely. That, that was chocolate or ice cream. Nobody heard chocolate. that. Chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Ice cream. Yeah, usually there's like, an, I'll send him a, a message. I'm like, Bring clearly you're high chocolate. enough not to remember what you're texting him if he's feeding you the answers well, on we, that. Like, something salty or something chocolate. A lot of times I want both things together. Makes sense. Makes sense. I like to eat a lot of things. I'm very greedy. <laughs> I'm not lying. The worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? I don't know. I think that people don't generally give me advice because I'm always like just like jabbering at them. So they're just like, okay, I just got to go. And I'm like, all right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a great tactic. Because people never say anything that you don't want to hear if you're just like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> if you don't give an entree, then they nope. don't give you advice. No, exactly. Oh, they'll, they'll, there's always advice. But I, I just like to like just keep moving it around, keep moving it around. <laughs> Do like three-card Monty with exactly. the advice coming in. There okay. we go. One thing everyone should try. Everybody should try doing those things that they've always dreamed about. What was yours? Stand up. I'm not even lying. Since I was a little, little kid, I um, loved, I was in love with Bob Hope. You guys, I'm sorry. Jerry Lewis was my dude. This lets you know that I'm a lot older than the Carol Net crowd. But also, like, I was there, too. But no, like, I loved to see people telling jokes and making people laugh. And I loved the physical comedy and the Stooges, like, I'm a Woody Woodpecker type of person, if that tells you anything about me. But, like, I, um, (laughs) but it it was like I wanted to have that as a job. I just didn't know that it was a job that someone had. I just knew that these people do this, and I had no idea how or why. I just figured someone was like, oh, hey, come over here. There's a camera, and there's people going to come out and sing, and we want you to talk about it throughout. (laughs) 
they turn. And lastly, what are you grateful for? I'm going to say I am very, very, very grateful for my stand-up community. My husband does not do stand-up, but he's he and I have been like going to shows together since the first moment we met. He kept saying, you can do this, you should do it. All of the local comedians... Most of the local comedians are very supportive of one another, and people are out there, and they're make they're we're all making sure we have fun and like have a, a the space to say the things that you need to say, the things that you need to get out. So, if people want to find you, if they want to find one of your shows, if they want to support you, where do we go? I am on Facebook as at Amber Comedy. And also, of course, you can always find InvisibleDisabilities.com. And we're on Facebook, too. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been great to have you on. Thanks for having me. For our audience, thank you for coming. We will be here next month, third Saturday of the month. Thanks for coming out. And we out. Peace. This has been a Fat Chicks on Top presentation with your co-hosts, Auntie Vice and Wendy Lewis. Sound provided by Sharon Smith of A Series Productions. All things Fat Chicks can be found on our website at fatchicksontop.com. That's fatchicksontop.com. Or check out our social media for more information. That's Fat Girls on Top on Twitter and Fat Chicks on Top on Instagram, Tumblr, and Facebook. Please review our previous episodes on iTunes, Google Play, or all podcast streaming services. Please support the Fat Chicks by buying us a tea or purchasing our merch on our website. And thank you for your support.